Angelo. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Monkin', the only podcast where if streetlights said don't monk instead of don't walk, uh, we would never get anywhere because we always monk. I'm your co-host, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? Hey, man. I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be back. Sorry to leave you guys uh, hanging yes. for a couple of days, but Jake's Sorry about that. He's making big moves. Yeah, I moved apartment, and it ended up being later in the day than I thought it was going to be. And I didn't end up actually even getting, like, fully into the apartment until, like, 6.30. And, um, you know, when you just move into a new place, uh, the last thing you want to do is be like, I gotta drop everything and watch an episode of Monk. <laughs> no offense Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, no, for sure. And, like, you know, we both were, we had new digs. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a new world we live in, baby. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, uh, as you can tell by my background now, I actually have, like, a desk and a real setup where I'm not just sitting up on my bed with a table in front of me. Um. Yep. Yep. You know, I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. I, you do get used to, you know, not, uh, never leaving your bed, which is, of course, a thing that Rip Van Winkle said at some point. But anyway, um, we're not here to talk about Rip Van Winkle. We're here to talk about Mr. Monk and the lady next door, which is, of course, a misnomer because the lady's not next door. But uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, she's next door to somebody, but yeah, I know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good episode. It was fine. Um, I like that it was kind of, like, inventive with the, the alibi kind of deal. So that was that was a welcoming of that, for sure. Now, the interesting thing about this episode is I think I... I honestly think I only saw the episode the one time. It never really was on syndication that much. Also, once again, if you discussed, I didn't watch a lot of later episodes twice. Um, the thing I like about it is that it feels like a corrective to... I think we've complained before about the phenomenon of, like how every single person that Monk ever gets close to ends up screwing him over, and that kind of, like, reinforces the bad behavior. It, it, it reinforces that Monk shouldn't trust people, which is bad. Like, that's just not good for his character. And I like that there is kind of the inverse of it. You do see... It, it, it's, it reminds me of, like, a hit dog, where it's like, if a dog that's, like, abused... No, what? Follow me. A dog who's abused, where if it, someone tries to show them love will recoil because they don't, oh, don't think that they that they don't know yeah. what it's like to receive love. I wasn't, no, that wasn't sure. completely off base. That's, I think, a no, pretty no, 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 stupid no, 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 Sorry, but the way you put it, like a hit dog as opposed to like a beaten dog. That's true. I was thinking, I, I love the phrase a hit dog will holler, um, and that's not really applicable here, but I do love that phrase, which is why I said it. Um, okay. Shouts to the time that gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum said about Ron DeSantis, current governor of Florida, that a hit dog will holler when uh, Ron DeSantis asked why he keeps accusing him of like being a white supremacist. So, obviously, I, that was really cool, and then Andrew Gillum lost, and then was found doing meth in a hotel room. So, you know, didn't work out that well for uh, the good guys in this situation. But, uh, anyway, um, this episode also is star- guest stars Gina Rollins, who's one of those people who I think is, like, was probably a big deal back then. I don't really have much relationship with her, but it's, like, special guest star, so I'm assuming that she was a big deal at some point. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of her earlier work, but I'm pretty sure she was the old lady in the notebook. She I was the say. old lady in the notebook, yes. I think she, yeah, But yeah. the only thing, the only thing I remember her from, like, uh, is from, like, being, like, the old lady in, um, Skeleton Key. Mm. She was, uh, oh, she was, uh, married to, uh, John Cassavetes John Cassavetes, yeah. And Nick Cassavetes' mom. So she's, you know, she's around. Yeah. Uh, wow, she got remarried, uh, in 2012. At the age of 82. Shouts to her. She's still alive. She's 91. To who? Uh, a guy named jo- Robert Forrest, who's not famous. Okay. Um, the New Yorker said about her in 2021, she called her the most important and original movie actor of the half century plus, which is a strange thing to say about someone that, like, once again, we don't know everything, but I feel like we would have a better, bigger relationship with her if that was true. 
Um, anyway, shout out to Gina Rollins. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, shout out to shout out to Kelly Rollins too. Shout out to right. Kelly Rollins as well. Did I ever tell you that the moment I knew that I didn't? Because um, I've joked a lot before that because Sorted History was on a podcast network that's mostly NBA related stuff, that like a mm-hmm. lot of my followers. Uh, were not people were like I ended up getting grouped in with like NBA Twitter and other types of Twitter that I really didn't belong in and I knew that that was the case when I saw Michelle Williams trending and it was about the white actress and I wasn't surprised to see that and a bunch of people I followed were like I clicked the Michelle Williams trend and was confused and I'm like and I literally saying like what, what other Michelle Williams is there and it's like oh this is I'm not I don't belong here <laughs> this is not my people <laughs> yeah uh, no. But I'm just saying, one of them is the third most important member of a R&B group. One of them is, like, a four-time Oscar nominee. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we start off in the Guinness Book World Records, like, like uh, store or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the security guard. I know. Uh, it's like a museum. It's like a yeah, museum. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know how to... Yeah, right. It was a museum. That was the word I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. Um, have you ever been to that type of thing? Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not in LA yeah. Uh, yeah so it's kind of on that same level there's one in Times Square and I've never been obviously because it's in Times Square and you just don't go to Times Square if you're from New York the only time I've ever to Times Square is if I go to the AMC there um, which is very nice uh, you know the movie I saw there it's a movie uh, we, the movie other than Zodiac is a movie we talked about the most um oh god uh, don't, don't say it um oh uh, The Departed no why don't, I, 2006, I saw it at the... I mean, no, I saw it in my... I saw it early screening my freshman year of college. Okay, uh, I don't know. What is I, it? I saw it in Hair Vice there, baby! Oh, shit, okay. I'm sorry, I'm so yeah. used to being, like, uh, like the only one on that boat. I, dude, I will fucking co- co-pilot that boat to all the way to wherever freaking Shasta was going... Uh, with the, whatever it's called, what was the, the, like, the group, I forget what it was called, but, uh, uh, uh the was. Golden, Golden Fang. The Golden Fang, yeah, shots that movie, um, and shots to the concept of Inherent Vice. Anyway, Marcus Giamatti, Paul Giamatti's brother, I didn't look it up, but that is Paul Giamatti. No shit! And, I saw I guess, the last name, and I was like, huh. Oh, no, no, I know, I didn't look it up, but, like, if that guy's not Paul Giamatti's brother, I'll, or at least related to him, he looks so much like Paul Giamatti. For sure, no, he does absolutely. He Let also kind of he gave me like a Brett Gelman vibe. Uh, yes, he's the older brother of uh, um of Academy Award nominated actor Paul Giamatti. Um, got a really stink to be the older brother. He looks, he, look, I, but he looks a lot better than uh, Paul. That is true. But, Granted, uh, this was ten years ago, but well, yeah. Yeah. Also, Paul Giamatti. It's so crazy. Paul Giamatti is just now like fifty something. Like he's in his fifties now, whereas in like the mid two thousands, he looked like he was in his fifties. Yeah, for sure. Ever since uh, he was in that Frankie Muniz movie. Oh, Big Fat Liar? Yeah, I never saw it, but... I, uh, oh, I was definitely the right age to see that. To the point where there's a scene, this famous scene in the movie where they basically... Uh, like, the famous scene from the movie is that they, like, dye his skin blue and his hair orange. And there's a Was this bit. before or after Arrested Development? Uh, before, before, right? Before. Okay. Um, okay. And they uh, there's a bit where he's, like... They, they dye his hair orange by, like, spiking a shampoo bottle. And they dye his skin blue by, like, making his getting his pool water, like, messed up or whatever. And, uh-huh. uh, just a classic bit of him. I remember he's, like, rocking out to, uh, Hunger Like a Wolf by Duran Duran, and then he stops in front of a window and sees himself blue. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, good filmmaking. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. really, honestly, Frankie Beaters and Amanda Bynes had the world in front of them at the time. Um, really great way that their careers turned out. Anyway, um, 
Marcus Giamatti is very upset that the security guard is not asleep, so he's got to, you know, fight this guy. Uh, and they end up turning on all the animatronics, and he pushes them over the edge, and wouldn't you know it, uh, there's a sh- uh, swordfish fin for the guy to fall right onto. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit dubious about how sharp that uh, thing would be, considering it's in a museum, but uh, clearly it's sharp enough to impale the the night security guard. So, damn. Yeah. We're back to, like, a pretty brutal kill, so I, yeah. I'm on board. Uh-huh. And so then we cut to Monk and Natalie are on the sidewalk, and Monk is suspicious of Natalie, because apparently Natalie complimented his hair. Um, mm-hmm. And Which looks compliment- exactly the same as it always does. Yes. yes. And she's like, I'm just being nice, complimenting you, etc., etc. But he's convinced that she wants something. You know, he's like, oh, you're trying to butter me up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so he, he's, he's suspicious, and I guess that's going to set the tone for the rest of the episode. He just doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't believe that anyone would compliment him without expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while he's, like, you know, basically suspicious of all that, uh, they're standing at a stoplight, and uh, the stoplight isn't moving. So Natalie, you know, she's like, they've been standing there for 10 minutes, so she decides to jaywalk, and uh, I guess they're headed to the police station because that's mm-hmm. where they end up going later. Mm-hmm. Um, but while Monk is waiting, uh, Marge, uh, mm-hmm. who is Gina Rowlands, shows up and basically, you know, convinces him to be a pirate, right? To, yes. To, get, to rebel a little every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, a pirate's life for him. And so she ends up basically dragging him along across the street. And then um, they uh, they end up going to the police station together because I guess that's where she's going to. Um, and when Monk comes in, they Samar jokes and says, uh, "What did a little old lady help you across the street?" Obviously, because the inverse of what normally happens. And he, I love how Monk says, "She's not that little." Right. Yeah. No. She's a yeah. She's not a, sh- a shriveled old lady. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I'm not gonna do like body types here. Anyways, so. They get to the police station, yeah, like you said, and um, uh, you know they she we can see her in the background. She's talking to like a poli- yeah, the clerk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call them at the front? I think like, the clerk. I think like, yeah, yeah, the clerk, and uh, you know she's getting into it. And Sotomayor, they all remark that basically everybody knows the lady because she's always bitching to the police mm-hmm. about whatever you can imagine, uh, mm-hmm. noise complaints. Uh, I can imagine if someone probably put recyclables in the trash in like the black trash can or something like that you know it's just one of those deals exactly and she, now we cut to her she's complaining about her neighbor who's playing the drums it's boom 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 i can't sleep i can't read but apparently there's nothing they can do because he already has a court date and they can't like arrest him for playing drums at his own house yeah unless he happened to be playing drums like um that were made out of people's skin mm-hmm. then maybe they'd have some grams. that is true that is true, but if you look at the Jeffrey Dahmer case, you know, that, that someone went to his apartment and they didn't notice any of the skin stuff, so um, that's actually not true. That, his skin stuff was in another room, but still, it is crazy that someone was in his apartment and then just let him go. Um, but anyway, um, right. so Monk then goes to help her out, because she helped Monk and he wants to help her, and, um, you know... Uh, yeah, he, he volunteers himself. He, he says, like, yeah, if you ever need help, call the dispatcher and have them tra- patch you over to me. Um, mm-hmm. not sure how uh, feasible that is in real life, but... Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably feasible. I can... I, I think I... I mean, I, can, I don't see why not. Um, and uh, she's so happy. She's like, you're such a good boy. Do you want a piece of candy? And so he gets a piece of candy. Um... Now, the only thing that's the only thing that stretched my uh, understand or like stretched the, the the limits of my uh, mm-hmm. understanding is that she didn't give him like a Werther's as opposed to like a yeah. peppermint. That's the thing. Now I have a question. Either of your grandmas, 
Um, did they uh, carry Howard Candy around like that? No, because they were both Hispanic. So. Yeah, okay, good. I was going to call them your abuelas, but I didn't know if that was offensive. <laughs> I um, actually didn't call... I didn't call either of them abuela, uh, funny enough. I called my mom's side. I called her, like, mamita. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, the same for both of them. Mamita, mamita Lupita. Mamita Lupita and Mamita Merceditas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That I To their faces, I called them just grandma, obviously. But this... I, de- I definitely called my mom's mom... Uh, Grandma Anna? Jojo, because it was okay. Joanne, and then I called my dad's mom Grandma Christy, which is not <laughs> great, but her name was oh, Kathy, okay. and Grandma Kathy just doesn't sound that good. Um, but, uh, yeah, neither of them were candy-carrying uh, people, um, and, you know, I think I'm worse off for it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he gets a peppermint, um, and I there's a little comedy bit at the beginning of the next scene where they're at the Guinness place, and the director of it doesn't want them to move the body because he thinks that it's crazy that not only that now two people have been impaled by a swordfish. Right, and uh, yeah, this guy seems like a real fucking creep. Uh, if I were them, I would definitely investigate his apartment after the fact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're talking about that skin drum set. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, but I'll say this, though. As far as skin drum set is definitely a better instrument to play than, you know, there's a certain woodwind instrument that you play, like, to the side that you don't want to play the skin version of. Um, but anyway, uh, so, he, uh, they, um, oh, I do love the line he says, this is going to be bigger than the twins on the motorcycle. Would you get that reference, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, The, the, the amount of times I've like... made that reference to people, they don't get it, it makes me want to vomit. It's like, how do you not I know almost... the two fattest twins? I almost even want to say that we've referenced it on this podcast. We probably before. have, because honestly, it's just one of my go-to references as a person. It's like it's it, when I when I first referenced it and someone didn't get it, I'm like, that's that honestly is like if I said like, um, if I referenced the boy who cried wolf and they didn't know what it was, like what what do you mean? Like that's just a thing we all know. We all know the fattest twins. They're poof, twins and they're fat. I also love I love that like they're doing um there's like a revisionist history on uh on like Goldilocks about how she basically broke into their house but we feel bad for the person breaking in as opposed to You know what's to, funny yeah. about that? And I mean this sincerely. I never read it that way. I always read it that that she was breaking in. Like I never once was like this poor girl doesn't like I guess you know things I think it's because I never really like really thought of them as bears cuz like they're bears but they eat porridge and have beds so like they're, they're not you don't think of them as bears. I never thought about it as that I, she's a sympathetic character. That I, I kind of was. Yeah, weird, same with you. I kind of was weirded out by that whole discourse on Twitter because it's like, it's like a revisionist reading. It's like wait, you're reading it differently this whole time. Um, yeah, she's a home invader. Exactly. Um, and so anyway, um, Natalie then notices that Monk has the candy, and you know she's into the idea of you know like everyone kind of. Apl- she's ribbing him about it. Yeah, she's ribbing him. But I think the important thing is that she's not like there's not like a jealous plot, which I think is good because I think this episode would kind of suck if. If everyone, if I thought it was headed there, and I think that that is, uh, you know, much better for the episode than what it ends up being because it's already tough enough on Monk. And I do just want to say I'm watching the Olympics swimming out of the corner of my eye, and this Michael Andrew guy just completely blew it. He was in the lead in the in medley before the freestyle, and he doesn't know how to freestyle swim fast. That's the easiest one to do. That's how I swim anyway. So, um, Randy. He's looking around and he's yeah. like, wait, where's Togo, the egg-eating robot? Well, hold on a second. 
Oh, Hold on, you're missing something. There's an important detail here. Which oh, right, is right. That they, sorry, sorry. They, they, they figure out that it doesn't appear to have been a robbery at that place. Mm-hmm. Um, there was money in the register, and um, as far as they can tell at the moment, there is nothing missing. However, what you're about to say goes mm-hmm. against what I just said. So go ahead. Yes, that Togo, the egg-eating robot, is missing. And Randy, of course, notices it because he goes there every day on his birthday. Um, to this day. No, 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 as a kid. Yeah, Randy, uh, say, Randy, yeah, yeah. say, say you when you were a kid, <laughs> which I really like. Um, okay, and, what I'm confused about, okay, was Togo based on a real person, so it's just an animatronic of them, or was it the robot that ate all the eggs? Because that wouldn't count, right? I That's exactly what I was going to say. I think that it's, honestly, I think it's the robot that ate all the eggs, and they just did a poor job of writing it. Gun to my head, okay. that's what I think it was. I just think that's kind of bullshit that a robot could hold a record. It's, it's, it is bullshit, that's why it's not true. <laughs> like, that's just not how that works. I mean, who holds the record for the uh, most? I, I, I have it. We're going to talk about it when we get to that scene. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Randy has a theory, though. He says, you know, could the machine be involved? You know? Because um, if it was a movie, it would be, which is true. Uh, but they noticed some tire tracks and hydraulic fluid. So, clearly, Togo was dripping some fluid as, uh, he, as he left the facility. Someone took Togo to go. You could say that. You could say that. You're um, fucking welcome. <laughs> that's always the gr- that's always uh the best um the best thing to say after something you say something funny anyway yeah. um and they also noticed that the sign in front of it looks new because apparently it was defaced there was a little defacer no that doesn't work i was trying to do it like the base with the pixie song but it, you can't just uh, do it yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. i was trying to do it anyway um yeah what happened what, what, what happened with the plaque uh, yeah, so apparently this real, uh, okay, I, can we agree that you can say the word fruitcake and it's not like a homophobic thing, it just means someone that's crazy? No, 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 no I would say like We can't, we can't, we can't authorize, we can't authorize that. Of I, what I would say is, I would actually say that fruitcake, maybe it used to be able to mean that, but now it just means gay, so I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, use it that way. Yeah. That's true, okay, well, Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so yeah, this guy, this weirdo dude, uh, apparently lives in Berkeley. Which, if you've been to Berkeley, California, full of weird ass people, so completely does like make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But he had been there two months ago, and he had spray painted over the plaque in in mm-hmm. plain view of everybody seeing it because obviously he felt he was the proper record holder, which mm-hmm. I'm sympathetic to if yeah. if it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, but he basically is like, you know, I didn't do it. They go, they have a whole, like, bit. This is, I think, it feels like they're trying to fill time, because this does, is not relevant at all to the, uh, the episode. Um, and, uh... Yo, yo, you're jumping around a lot today. Uh, oh, wait, while he's, sorry. While he's at the, sorry. while he's at the scene... Yeah, sorry, I'm Mar- sorry. I got, I got confused, because I was, like, reading something about the eggs. Uh, and I right. Got, sorry. You, you keep going. Sorry. So, yeah, so, while he's at the scene, well, while they're all at the scene investigating mm-hmm. the crime, uh, we get the first... Uh, call to action from mm-hmm. Marge. Uh, she calls him mm-hmm. over, and um, and that's when we um, at this point, what I was thinking, I'm just like, all right, he's gonna completely regret doing this because now she's gonna call him for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't end up being the case, but like that was no. just my fear. Yeah. Um, and, and then we get like a little cut to uh, to who, like to the killer, right? In some yeah. way. Uh, no, oh, because he he's playing the drums. Right. Okay. And yeah. and I was at first, I was like. This guy looks just like the guy at the beginning, but it was yeah. kind of dark, so I mm-hmm. couldn't really tell. But yeah, it's him. And so then Monk knocks on his door, and basically, you know, he's like, "Oh, the old lady sent you. Uh, tell your aunt that I'm an artist. Would she stop Picasso from painting if you neighbor?" 
Well, I wouldn't because it wouldn't make any fucking noise, but yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, I do like he says, I'm with the police, more or less. <laughs> and so he yeah. says, you know what, I was going to take a break. Just have a nice day. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he calls it quits. Yeah. And so then Monk goes back over to Marge, and Marge is like, you're like a regular John Wayne. Yeah, um, definitely the comparison I would have come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he kind of does this little, he starts riffing a little bit, trying to be a little, he does like a little John Wayne impression. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he's about to leave, she's like, hey, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, because he mentions that Natalie's going to pick him up. And she's like, no, just come on inside. Like, obviously, we know where this is headed. Uh, she's going to fix him something to eat. Exactly. And so they go inside, and Monk really likes the house. Um, yeah. I do like He wishes says, that he grew yeah. up in a place like that. Exactly. And she, he notices that Marge has a cookbook, and she talks about how, my sister said, you're 65 years old. You can't write a cookbook. Um, and Okay. Yeah. Real quick. You know what I do like about this episode? Um, is that there's, like, a lot of, uh, like... Psych, like, um, there's a lot of like mental stuff or like mm-hmm. things that have to do with like the reason why people do the things that they do, mm-hmm. and they somehow do that with only one scene taking place at Dr. Bell's office. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's a very well done subtext with this relationship. Yes, that, yes, that there's no big thing where she says, like, I guess You're I always son. just wanted a son again, which I yeah, think is really yeah. good and surprising because even though I really love Monk, it is not a show that has a lot of subtext a lot of times. Um, right, I was I was actually very impressed with that. Yeah. Um, and so she also notes that her husband died twelve years ago, but you know, in her heart, it was the day before yesterday. Yeah, um, and you know, I mean, if you lost it, yeah, she mentioned that she lost the child. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, that was her husband. Yeah, um, and then her, then they mentioned the child who died at three. Yeah, and um, and so like right before that, basically, she also like it, it seems like she's lived a tough life. She's experienced a lot of loss, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're like they're kindred spirits on that level. Like mm-hmm. um, you know, they they both can't move on from that particular thing mm-hmm. that happened in their lives. Um, and yeah, she mentions like, oh, he, he finds the piano, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it comes up that he, the husband died. Um, oh, right. Because yeah. she only plays green sleeves once a year yes. on his birthday. And so then the, she fixed him something to eat and he's about so to eat. spaghetti yes. and mixed vegetables. And, but he's about to eat, but he didn't wash his hands. Um, right. Yeah. Which, you know, then he's got to go wash up and then he's eating and, um, she asks, he's asking what a police consultant does. And he basically says that he does all the things a regular detective does, but he's not on the team. Yeah, no, so she, like uh, like a mother would do, she is willing to write a letter mm-hmm. to express her displeasure with the way that he, uh, it's not fair to him that he does everything that they do, but he doesn't have the title, I guess. Exactly. And then she notices that he's separating his mixed vegetables, um, and she's mad because it's like, those are supposed to be mixed. You know, I slaved over lunch. And well, I was going to say, I was going to say that they find something ironically that 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 divides them mm-hmm. which is the division of uh, mm-hmm. of the mixed vegetables well i apologize for giving her a much more smoky like smoker's voice but uh that's just kind of the way that speaking of mothers that's how my mom does almost every impression if she gives someone a new york accent when if it's an older person a little bit of a smoker's rasp like truly if it's like yeah my friend from chicago they're saying yeah you know that this was <laughs> what are you doing mom not everyone has that voice so, that's so, why so you're doing so you're doing the Debbie from the anti-smoking commercials, the like the <clears throat> yeah, I used yeah. to smoke. The thing is, the I when I used to do my uh, sketch comedy type radio show in college, 
I wouldn't play almost any characters because we had so many actors around, but I would always play, like, old ladies who were decrepit because that's one of the few voices I can do. Like, I used to love to garden, but now I fall all the time. You know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is always Pretty funny. Good. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so. Except when it happens in real life. It, yeah, yeah, that's, it, yeah, that's definitely not, yeah, yeah, it's not funny what happens in real life. Um, but anyway, uh, they, he's talking about the case, um, and, um, then we cut to, at the scene I was mentioning earlier, the guy in Berkeley, uh, who was like, did I write the letters? Yeah, I'm a competitive eater. And I feel like this episode was very timely, because I feel like 2007 was, like, when that started the to be peak. people talked about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, not only that, but shout-outs to Joe Hursley, I want to say his name. Oh, Joe Hursley, yeah. Yeah, he used to be my customer when I worked at Wells Fargo. Wow, Um, really? Are you allowed to say that? Uh, I don't see why not. I'm kidding, I'm (laughs) kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, he's a real nice guy. Uh, He had a safe deposit box. God knows what he kept in there, but uh, yeah, he uh, he was a nice guy. Um, And so, yeah, he basically is talking about how he has the actual record, which if the robot's the one doing the record, then that is true, that, like, that shouldn't be real. Um, Right, and and they they pull out a bunch of letters that he wrote, like, basically all pissed off about it, and he admits to doing that, but he... That's a large step from killing uh, somebody over Mm -hmm. taking a fucking uh, robot. Because his current record was in Mexico, and it was 54 eggs in six minutes, but apparently they didn't recognize it. Yeah, because the last three eggs weren't down, so it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. They were, like, stuck in his throat or something? No, it means he vomited them up. (laughs) Oh, okay, gotcha, all right. Um, Um, And so they ask him for his alibi, and he mentions that he was at some place called the Chicken Meister on what fucking street? It was on Vinton Street, baby. Oh, my God. We should have named this fucking podcast Vinton Street Hooligans or something. The Vinton Street Hooligans. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, I do love No Funk and Strictly Munkin, and as one, I don't know, Andy Brecht in the creator of the show said was the reason why he clicked on it, but Vinton Street Hooligans is funny, too. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Also, I didn't even come up, I don't know why I'm just, like, pretending, like, I didn't even come up with it famously. Anyway. Okay, you bet, you bet your fucking ass. I'm literally, I'm going to San Francisco for Outside Lands, mm-hmm. if it doesn't get canceled, mm-hmm. um, Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a picture next to the Vinton Street sign, 100. percent Oh, you got it. Yeah, you got yeah. it. And I'll, I'll I'll get it over to Andy. Um, okay. Great. Anyway, apparently now, but apparently this dude is gonna compete in Boston next week and do 80 Yeah. Now, I've unfortunately I have bad news. The men's division is not tracked in six minute intervals for hard boiled eggs. It's eight minutes. Okay. And now okay. the most recent one I can find is the Glizzy Gladiator himself. Joey Chestnut. Joey, Joey Chestnut. No Joey, shit. Joey Jaws Chestnut has the record for most in eight minutes. How many do you think it is? 120. Over. <laughs> 150. Under. 145. 141. 141 Ooh. in eight minutes. The Glizzy Gladiator. Can you imagine like having to share like a bathroom with this guy? This would be the worst thing. I think man. I can't imagine he make you share a bathroom. Like you know, he's got a. No, I mean like being his wife or something. No, I'm. I'm he probably has a two bathroom. Is what I'm saying. I mean, he okay, so definitely this- has the money. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he, not every competitive eater can make a living, but he definitely can. Him and Matt yeah, Stoney, yeah. who, uh, remember, uh, what, uh, what's his face? Uh, do you remember Eater X? I think he's retired. The guy who's for the face paint? Or am I too in death? No. No, <laughs> no, no. I, you are way online, bro. Okay. I know f- the fact that I get to name four competitive eaters, including Takira Kobayashi, are the, that's I only pro- know two. Yeah, I only know two. Chestnut and Kobayashi. And then there's the one yeah. woman named the Black Widow. I don't remember her real name, though. Um, 
Are you sure that's not the pool player? They're all, no, they're also the pool player. I'm not stupid. Um, I, these are both things that you would know if you watched a lot of ESPN2, which obviously I have. <laughs> um, yeah. Stump uh, the Schwab in between oh, episodes man. of that. Oh, man. The Schwab. Man. Shasta Stump the Schwab. Um, this is uh, unrelated. Was it? Unrelated. What was, what Am I was, crazy? Was, or does Andy Breckman look a little bit like the Schwab? <laughs> he kind of does. He kind of does. But also, do you remember, what is it? Hugs and hand pounds? Uh, vaguely. That was a si- that was a sign off by Stu Scott. Hugs oh, and right. Do you remember the short-lived ESPN show Teammates, where it was like the newlywed game but with teammates? No. Oh, no. Anyway. Um, so oh, I do, I do. Yeah. I saw like one episode. That's I have it. no yeah, idea why they didn't keep that going. Jo- Jimmy Pitaro, give me a call. Anyway, um, so he starts eating the eggs, and then, anyway, um, and hey, so he's not gonna give you a call after you fucking trashed him last time we recorded a podcast. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, I, uh, I don't expect a call. Um, also, this is deep on a monk podcast, so I think I probably can say anything I want. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Also, if I got like a preliminary email, like, you know what's getting deleted immediately. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, cut to a jewelry store, and uh, John is he breaking in with a ski mask, and there's a nice manager wearing like a sweater vest, very much styled like a jewelry store manager, and he recognizes John's voice. Yeah. Um, pretty unmistakable. And, uh, you know, so he tries to tell him, like, just take whatever you want. I promise you'll never say, I'll never say anything. But we all know that's the fucking kiss of death. Don't ever identify a guy as robbing you. Like, just yeah. word to the wise. And also the thing, you say he's a recognizable voice. And what you mean is that he has the Giamatti voice. Because he sounds just like Paul Giamatti. Ah, exactly. Ah, man, what are you doing? Ah. That's my Paul Giamatti. And he, get, and he gets, and he gets, and he gets fucking blasted. And, uh, yeah, this guy, uh, he's got two bodies on his, uh, on yeah, his he, list. Yeah, he's going to get two teardrop tattoos. Um, yeah. So then we cut to Monk's apartment, and it's rearranged. The furniture rearranged to be nice and cozy. Um, you know, it's a uh, first time he's uh, he switched up the the alignment of the coffee table. Right. Yep. This is a big moment. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like it was very uh, thrown under the rug, almost like not discussed yes, enough. I agree. And so um, Natalie shows up, and she's like, you know, that doesn't know that Marge is there, but she's really excited to see. And this, he's, Monk's wearing a scarf. Yeah, he's wearing a scarf, uh, you know, matches his uh, his clothing. It's brown, mm-hmm. so that's nice. And um, You big scarf guy? I don't... I think I've only owned a few scarves, and I got them, like, as... Um, like, I got one, like, an LA Galaxy scarf. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, like, a Men in Blazer scarf. I'm not a scarf guy. I'm not yeah. even a turtleneck guy. I can't have no. stuff around my neck. I have me. one scarf, but that's only because, like, on some days in New York, it's literally necessary. You need a scarf uh, if it's too windy. Um... And it's a yeah. Mets. It's like a Mets one that's styled like a soccer scarf. Um, yeah. But uh, I remember thinking of scarves. I think remember that video of OG and Adobe and Serge Ibaka where they were arguing about which was the first one to introduce the other one to scarves. Great stuff. No. Oh. The first thing I think of is Lenny Kravitz. That's true. That is a, he has a big scarf too. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and also Steven Tyler. Um, so shouts to scarves. Yeah, shouts to scarves. Um, and so. Apparently, basically, Marge has done everything that Natalie's supposed to do. That she fed Monk, they shopped, they cleaned. And like I said, I think that it's very good that this doesn't become a Natalie resents her. Because that would be completely out of character, because, like, why would Natalie care that she, she would actually... <laughs> yeah, and, like, and towards the end of the whole interaction, she's, you know, she's very uneasy about it mm-hmm. at first. But she's actually very excited at the end that she gets to t- tend to Julie as she's being sick. Like, it's yeah. all, like, she gets over it real quick. Yeah. So that's great. Great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um... You know, uh, she said, Marge jokes, you know, we'll call if another robot disappears. Yeah. And so Natalie goes, and then uh, Marge pulls out a newspaper clipping she saved that mentions Monk. 
Um, now, did your mother keep newspaper clippings? If the answer is no, I don't want to make it seem like that's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, honestly, at this point, I'm grateful that I didn't show up in a newspaper clipping, because it would probably be a bad thing. I, my mom definitely did, um... Uh, when did you show up in a fucking... Well, I live in L.A., so it's a little oh, harder right, for me to get right, to hit sorry. the fucking news. Okay, honestly, you're 100% right. That is a, that's a very, very specific... Because you have to understand, in, like, the Pontagorda Sun-Herald, um, like, there's yeah. not a ton going on. Actually, it's, you know, that's actually... It's, it's, the, it's the Charlotte. It's not Pontagorda. It's the Pontagorda... Um, no, it is the Herald, and then it's the Charlotte Tribune. Uh, the you know what you know you know what I think of immediately when you start mentioning like that you were in a newspaper. I think of the the clip from Anchorman where Ron Burgundy plays second in a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> no, it usually there's a like, picture of him just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something like uh, the academic team wins or whatever or something like that. Um, yeah, you know because we did. Uh, anyway, well, uh, well, you're so your mom's a scrapbooker. Not just, she doesn't have like a scrapbook, but she definitely has like she keeps stuff. She's very much a hoarder when it comes to anything. Who, which, which of the Christie brothers has the most? Uh, let, let's just. I, I don't want to like bring up or like make no, you feel bad, but who, who, the answer's who me. has been? Who has? Okay, so you've oh, been the no, most oh, remarkable Christie brother in terms of actual like accomplishments on paper. In as a child, yes, yes, only yes. because I was okay. the most. Whereas because Kevin was very much kind of not. He didn't want to be super smart and like out there with all that stuff michael just didn't care one way or the other and i care very deeply about people thinking i was smart and accomplished so therefore i did a lot of no stuff. really yeah no and and i swear to god and i mean this with no sense of irony i am at the very least five times better than i was as a kid i was so much worse than i of all the ways i am that way now i am so much better than i used to be <laughs> i used to be okay. unbearable to deal with um anyway well, uh, that, well I, but that's when i was like 14 it wasn't like i was that the whole way through high school and stuff i got better as i became a teenager um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so Stama and Disher come in, and they're not looking for Monk. They're looking for one other than Sarge Marge. Yeah, they're looking for her. Um, and I was, like, genuinely perplexed. I'm like, what mm-hmm. What does this mean? Like, um, And so basically looking for her because the jewelry store was robbed, and this guy, David Elliott, was shot and killed, mm-hmm. and they need to talk to her. And... I mean, I see where they go kind of with it, but essentially John Keyes, her neighbor, mm-hmm. has been identified as the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically used Marge as an alibi. Mm-hmm. He's like, I was playing the drums at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, she could tell you that I was there, mm-hmm. for sure. And the problem is, not only that, she called the police station at 1035 to complain about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, he's got a rock-solid alibi. Um, well, and not only does she say that she heard him, but she literally saw him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, you know, they're back to square one. And then we cut to Dr. Bell, and Dr. Bell is very, very happy for Monk, you know? Um, he calls it a transformative relationship. Yeah, um, yeah, he's uh, he's very supportive of it, mm-hmm. you know? And he's he's uh, he's been a little bit um, reluctant to, like... In the past, I, it's been very short time that we've been with him, but he's he's always kind of put like you know put some cold water on him whenever he felt like something was tra- problematic. Well, yes, because it's because Monk tends to make very manic decisions where like he'll come up with an idea of like a way he wants to live his life and then be like, I'm never like uh, you know I'm never gonna step on a crack on the sidewalk ever again. You know, and it's like okay, you're just doing that because of I don't know that's I can't do a Hector. Yeah, song. yeah. Um, 
So, so he's also like he's going over some of the stuff that like he's so like, he's elated the whole time when he's mm-hmm. talking about her, and um, and so she writes him notes and puts them in his pockets, and you know, unlike his actual mother who would only write him like he he can only remember one note that she wrote, and it was your father is driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. By the way, and I just, he, I just go- want to make it clear, my mom did not write me notes. I don't know if that I think I gave off the energy of someone whose mom did do that, and she did not. You definitely do give out that energy, but like, no. same with me. Um, no, my own my mom's only message to me was, um, uh, "Don't be an idiot." No, and if I had like a big test, maybe she would like, but you know, it's not. No, not even. I also, never also, got. I got any... Also, I got I got school lunch most of the time, so I didn't you know have a lunchbox to have to. Oh, I did. I did. I had a school lunch, um, but my grandma made it. My mom had nothing to do with that, so do not claim that Anna Sosa Barrera. Wow. Anyways, yeah. Put the government Shots. Out there. Shots. Uh, well, it's fine. Whatever. She's, yeah, she's on Facebook. <laughs> she's 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 got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Anyways, um, so in the middle of him talking about this, he talks. He mentions her as being his other mother, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know about you, but if I was a therapist mm-hmm. and he had only known her for what yeah. two three days, that would be a yeah. Major I would be like slow, slowly roll. I would say I wouldn't be like concerned about it. I would be like, I understand that you're like, because I wouldn't be like you're getting manipulated. I would say like. It's good that you feel so attached to her, but keep in mind that, like... Because there's a middle ground between... You don't want to, like, tell him that he shouldn't be enthusiastic, because if he was finding this relationship with someone, like, there definitely are people, I guarantee you, in the world who meet older ladies who they become friends with and have, like, a maternal relationship with, especially if they didn't have... Like, that's uh, that's not an unhealthy relationship to have, but I think that you're right to be, like, don't put all your eggs right. in this basket. It's more for him, because, exactly. like, th- there's no fear that this woman is going to manipulate him mm-hmm. in any way. It's just his, un- like, his weird attach not weird, I don't want to use the word weird, but his his attachment to yeah. this person that has just only come exactly. into Exactly, exactly. Especially because Dr. Bell doesn't know what is going on, really. You know, like, Correct. Dr. Bell can't be sure that Monk's not over-imagining stuff. Um, but then Monk stops, and he realizes that he thinks there's got to yeah. be a catch. Yeah, as he mentioned earlier with Natalie when she's complimenting on, on his haircut. Um, he, and, and, you know, and we've seen him, like, through this whole time, you know, for the, I mean, there's obviously been people that had good intentions for, like, wanting to be with Monk or, like, the Mr. Monk and the, the, the lady who's from a foreign country. I forgot what mm-hmm. her name was. That, yeah, Mr. Monk and, um, I don't remember the name of the episode. There's so many different ones yeah. where Monk meets a woman. Not so many. Right, but, but but like the one that you automatically think of, Mr. Monk makes yeah. a friend or whatever? Yes, Andy Richter. Yeah, where like obviously someone was like, you know, winding him up to just, you know, mm-hmm. take advantage of him in some way. So, understandable. And um, so, yeah, he's, 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 he starts to realize that like nobody would want to have his mm-hmm. quote-unquote crazy ass. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I shouldn't quote anything because no one said that, but like I'm just saying like mm-hmm. for me. Uh, nobody would want his crazy ass as a friend. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'll say this, like, I, I have an attachment to Monk, um, because I've watched him for, like, a hundred and something episodes, mm-hmm. but if I knew someone like that, you'd oh, drive me insane. Yeah. You'd drive me insane. Exactly. But I do also think it is deeply sad in a profound way for someone to be, think of themselves that way. Um, oh, there, absolutely. Because there are lots of people who I would find annoying and hate to be around that, I, that, uh, that doesn't mean that they don't deserve love, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I know anyone who doesn't deserve love. Um, I'm thinking specifically the right. most annoying person I know, and as much as I hate to say it, he deserves love. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, come on. You know it's <laughs> not you. Um, yeah. No, and, no, and same here. Like, I have friends, like, that annoy the fuck out of me, but I've known them for, like, 15 years, and I'm just like, there's so much more to this. Like, Yeah. No, and when I say, when I'm talking about someone I actually just dislike, but they still deserve love. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sure. um, so, 
So yeah, he yeah. asks like how someone could love him unconditionally, mm-hmm. and yeah. Doctor Bell reminds him like, at times you have to just trust people. Yeah. You can't just assume that someone has it out for you or someone wants something from you. Like you mm-hmm. can't live your life thinking that way. It, like period. And the thing is, I think this is very goes specifically to the fact that he had a childhood where his mother didn't love him that way because most people don't really struggle with this even if they've had some bad experiences in the past like I don't wonder how could someone love me unconditionally because my family loved me unconditionally and even you know like it's but if you didn't start with that then it becomes it's a foreign if you have to learn that concept as an adult then it's something you can question um so then we cut well, to the truth. okay yes and no yes and no mm-hmm. yes most of the time you are correct but also we found someone that loved him unconditionally that is and true. we know people yeah. in his life that love no, him. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that they people don't. I'm saying that you are suspicious of it as a concept if you didn't have it from the start. Right. Yeah. For sure. But like, what I'm trying to say is like he's he doesn't question this out of Stoudemire or yes. Disher I, I or think Natalie. That that's true. But I also think that he doesn't consider think of them as loving him. I think that he very much has a hard time conceptualizing it that way. And we've seen that in the past that he really has a hard time thinking about the people around him as his friends. That he doesn't think of them. That he yeah. thinks that they're around them. That he thinks Natalie's there because he pays him. He pays her. He thinks Stoudemire's there because he's good at solving cases. You know. And that's kind of his problem is that he's unable to see that the people who want to be around him or want to actually want to be around him um, what about dorfman dorfman um he's around him because he lives upstairs anyway um we cut to the jewelry store and uh monk thinks he found he's, he looks for some clues um and uh yeah he, he's monkin but mm-hmm. he's also uh he's very noticeably pretty cold with marge mm-hmm. now yeah. after his breakthrough mm-hmm. at dr bell's uh, yeah. uh office yeah, so we learned that the victim was working for about a year, um, and yeah. they found a ski mask and a bunch of fingerprints. However, Monk notes that none of the fingerprints will be the killers. Right. Um, and, you know, at that point, Randy, uh, you know, correctly deduces that it is an inside job because the security tapes were missing, and uh, the place was robbed shortly after uh, inventory came in. Exactly. So clearly yeah. somebody knew how this worked. So Stoudemire's like, okay, we'll go back 10 years of employees to see who knew what was going on. And Monk was like, oh no, it's you don't have to go back that far. Clearly the person had worked here in the last year, or else you wouldn't be worried that the manager would recognize him. Correct. Um, and they mention a bunch of ergo this, ergo that, and mm-hmm. Randy thinks that ergo is the name of some guy who was involved in this. And uh, yeah, he's not. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, and so while while this is all happening, um, Marge notices something in the crime scene. Which I, the fact that she would even be at the crime scene, whatever, fine. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll 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 broach that topic later. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, so yeah, she notices a brooch that's in there, um, and she recognizes it. Be, is it being something that looks very familiar to something that her husband gave her on their ex wedding anniversary? Doesn't matter. I forgot. Yeah. And she owned the same one, and then Monk notices the person, because she she pulls out a like her a wallet. photo album that yeah. she yeah her wallet, and she has like some photos in there, mm-hmm. and that's how she points out like the brooch that was in there. Mm-hmm. And Monk notices another person in the photo, which is and, Paulie, which is Paulie, uh, Paulie Walnuts, mm-hmm. um, and so he notices that he has a birthmark, and he's seen that birthmark before. Yes, um, and who did he see it on? John Keys. Yeah. And so he deduces uh, that John Keyes is secretly her son, which, um, man, that's a wild swing. Uh, it didn't seem that crazy to me at the time, like, considering yeah. he had, uh, you know, the same Correct. 
Um, but I think you can just tell by the way that Monk's saying it that it's not true, because it's not, like, at least when I was watching it. Like, it doesn't feel sure. like he really... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he, he does a fake here's what happened, which basically the idea that John Keyes somehow made a fake ID and rented the house next door, and basically they worked together, um, and then she only manipulated Monk just to... so Monk would vouch for her. Right. And, you know, she denies it all, and he kind of, like, yells at her, and, it, like, he raises his voice to her, and it's just, like, I get that, like, we shouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't make this, dis- ah, you shouldn't make these dis- distinctions to, like, to people, like, you should treat them all equally, but, like, I don't know, I just don't feel right about raising your voice towards older people. Oh, of course not, um, especially when he's in the wrong, like, if she actually was, did do what she said, it would be a different story, but he's completely right. off base. And also, just the traumatic... The, the, the trauma of telling a woman whose son died at age three that she actually was lying about yeah, is, yeah. like, so deeply fucked up. Um, yeah, and like, true. Right. Like, that's, like, of all the transgressions, I think that, like, Monk kind of is apologizing later for the stuff that's, like, more surface level. But more than anything, I think the thing that's most hurtful is that she would somehow lie about the most traumatic thing that ever happened to her happening. Um, right, That's deeply right. troubling. Um, Which I'm surprised she was able to overcome it in the end, but yeah. I think it's because she is a woman who's seen a lot and recognizes when someone else is acting out in their own pain and not... Um, yeah, fair. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt her, but I think that she's smart enough to be like, this guy clearly is not, you know... Yeah, no, she's clearly hurt Like by the end of this whole scene. Um, yeah. And thank God, yeah, it's over. And yeah. so we, we... Well, no, it's not quite over because then we cut into the interrogation room mm-hmm. where Monk is basically doing bad cop, bad cop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's running her. He wants to know where the jewels are because he's convinced at this point that she's involved in the situation. Mm-hmm. And he says, my son is just down the hall. Um, excuse me, your son is just down the hall. And uh, yeah. she's like, my son is dead. Stop calling him that. Um and, you know, he's like, you're lying. You're worse than my own mother. At least my own mother, like, didn't lie to me or whatever. And then he says her stupid scarf itches and her house smells. Right. And um, and Natalie, in the middle of all this, is interrupting him because clearly she knows a piece of... She knows something that he mm-hmm. should be aware of before he made these comments. Exactly. Which is that John Keyes, is, uh, that John Keyes made bail mm-hmm. and his, his actual mother picked him up. So clearly uh, Marge is not his mother. There, there is no fix here. No, the fix was not in. Um, and so, you know, Monk kind of is stunned, and Marge just silently takes the scarf and walks away. And then, so then Monk and Natalie are back at Marge's house to apologize, and apparently they figured out that the son really did die, and Monk is bringing some flowers, um, and he is told from Natalie to speak from his heart, and he does when she opens the door. Yeah, she opens the door, but she stays silent the whole time. He goes through his whole spiel, and she basically closes the whole thing by explaining that she has no son again, implying that the son that she thought she had again in Monk, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have him anymore. Uh, I have no son! mm -hmm. Or, uh, this is unrelated, but, I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my boy! There will be blood. What? There will be blood. Oh, that's right. There's okay. like the, those are the those are the two lines. Was that been in my child? Then I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I honestly think that movie is fucking whatever. I actually I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's as it's not in my top three or four PTA movies, but I think it's good. I mean, it's DDL that like got a hundred. Um, anyway. Yeah, for sure. 
But uh, it's it's all DDL is always at a hundred. Like that's true. I'll say this: I think that it's a two and a half hour movie that there's only about like an hour and a half of stuff that I'm that interested in. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, like I don't need all the stuff about like you know him sweating and actually trying to get the oil. Like I just want to watch him argue with Paul Dano and then beat him to death with a bowling pin. Like that's really what. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so they leave and. Um, as they're walking out, they go past John Keyes' house, and they see the drum set, and then they look on the driveway, and wouldn't know what, there's a little bit of hydraulic fluid. Yeah, uh, Tommy Lee just came off the, 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 wait, what fucking band was he in again? Uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, the Motley Crue reunion tour, right? What? Um, oh, the draw, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, okay, um, do you know, like, there, there, there's this whole thing that he would do where his drum kit would, like, rotate, like... No, I'm not very familiar with... I haven't read The Dirt, so I'm not very familiar with Motley Crue. Oh, I haven't either. I know. Um, I just wanted to mention that I I haven't read The Dirt, implying that you had. Um, And so anyway, uh, they call the captain, and apparently Randy's on his way, so the captain shows up. They go into his garage, and wouldn't you know it, they find the egg-eating robot with drumsticks tied to its hands. Yeah, um, so clearly, you know, Monk at this point... um, he knows what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he says what happened. Yeah, he says what really happened mm-hmm. this time, which is basically he, you know, he was going to rob the spot. So this guy was just like a clearly evil... F- okay, he came up... This is the part that I don't understand. He came up with the idea of stealing this fucking thing from the museum mm-hmm. just to have an alibi Correct. for what he did? Yeah. It was like, how would you even know? Like, did he, he clearly had to have been there before, but, like, yeah. I, I don't understand why you would have done, like, just... It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, with with Monk, you have to just conclude that criminals... You have to live in a suspension of disbelief that criminals put more thought into their crimes than they actually do in real life. Like, he just clearly wanted an alibi, and for some reason he thought of the drums alibi, and he knew about the egg-eating robot. Um, he probably went there a couple times. Um... And it is worth noting that he wasn't intending to kill anyone because he thought the guard would be asleep at the first place and that he wore a ski mask at the second place. So I don't want to make him seem like he was not a bad guy, but it's not like he was a complete psychopath. He, act- he wasn't intending to kill anyone. Well, I, I don't know about that, man. It kind of seems like he was. Like I think he was okay with killing people, but he did... That's that's bad! That's bad, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I'm not, I know I'm trying to give uh, sympathy for Yeah, him. come on. Anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so he basically set up the egg-eating robot to make it look like he's playing the drums, and so then it would be an alibi. And, and he and he knew and he knew that she was a nosy mm-hmm. woman and that she would like you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she saw the egg, yeah. And like the thing is, what would have tipped me off one hundred percent is the fact that he didn't seem like such a good drummer before, but this guy was playing like fucking. Yes, I don't but know. he was also playing music. It wasn't the real drum sound, so I don't think she's paying that much attention. Anyway, okay, that's not important. So, John comes in with a gun, as you'd expect, because anytime they ever break into someone's house, the guy's always there with a gun. Yes. And, and so I do like that Stottmeyer says, uh, you don't, you don't want to kill a cop. Or a former cop. Or a former, or cop's, assistant. A former cop's assistant. And yeah. so, Randy walks up, and this is my biggest problem with the episode, he yells at to- you talk, tell what happens, because you're smiling. Okay, well, first of all, like, he mentions earlier, like, his theory about, like, how sometimes robots go sentient, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a common fear that most people have against technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. Talking to you, and boss so Randy, Right, so Randy shows up, and his only view through, like, the crack mm-hmm. of the barn door is basically them all kneeling over, 
mm-hmm. kneeling down. And uh, so he assumes that Togo is, uh, he's, he's acting out. He's, uh, he's, he, the robots have taken over. And so he like, he's, I mean, granted, yes, you can shoot a robot, right? Mm-hmm. We can agree on this. Like, this is not like anything, like we shouldn't be on like, on on our pedestal, mm-hmm. like about like him shooting a fucking robot. No, right? not no, not on the pedestal. About it. I'm saying that he. There's no way. I still. I think that he. He gets in the last like season. He's been. He was dumb before, but he wasn't that dumb. I think this is a bit too much. Well, yes, obviously it is. Um, yeah, that fair enough. But so yeah, he shoots a robot, and in the middle of all this ruckus, uh, you know, they manage to disarm your boy, mm-hmm. uh, John John Keys, and. You know, he still doesn't see it while they're doing it. Like, he's just like, wow, uh, Togo's gone sentient, as I said. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, that's just what it is. Like, John Keyes is done. Like, it's over. Yeah. Then we cut to the end where Marge is moving. Um, it, Monk thinks it's because of her, I mean, because of him, but it's actually... Surprise, cause... surprise, su- surprise they kept Mayflower as, as uh, you know, as an actual company. <laughs> they must that's have, funny. I didn't notice they that. Must have, they, um, they, mu- they must have gotten some, some dough for that, I would imagine. Uh... But um, she's moving in with her sister in Seattle in a townhouse, which is nice. Two old lady, two old birds in a townhouse. That's good. Yeah, it's great when you call old women birds. That's, that's I don't think it's that, that offensive, and also I honestly am not that concerned. <laughs> I, I'll say this: I do very well with the old women, de- old lady. I do really well with older people demographics, so I feel fine about saying that I can make it up to them. Um, okay. As you, can t- I, this is definitely not surprising to anyone. I absolutely, th- th- my parents got more compliments on her, their children being well-behaved boys than almost any, like every single time we went anywhere. It was unbelievable. And you know what? I'm very proud of that. I'm still proud of that as an adult. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So yeah, she's moving out, mm-hmm. and she's going to go join her sister that she previously spoke about mm-hmm. in Seattle. They're going to get a townhouse so that two lonely old women could be a little less lonely, exactly. which respect. And so they apologize to each other, and she says, just forget it. And then she gives Monk the scarf. Um, and calls him a pirate. And she knows, not only that, she says, it's a cold world out there. Yeah, Stay warm. And so Natalie asks about what it's like to be a pirate, and um, uh, she says, it's more fun to be a pirate, and she says, I'll make you some lunch. Chicken pot pie with a Jolly Roger flag. Oh, y'all, are you hungry? You know, fun stuff, fun banter. Shiver me, shiver me timbers, yeah. Shiver me timbers. Um, So, well, that's the episode. What do you give this episode out of 10? I gave it an eight out of ten, just because uh, for, well. for the for the for the reason that like there was a lot of stuff going on in the background, uh, mm-hmm. like mentally, like um, I, I want to say psychologically. Um, yeah, I guess that's it's the right it, yeah, because it, 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 but it, without it, it without it beating you over the head with it. I think that in the later seasons of the show, I think that they kind of play fast and loose with Monk's emotions for plot or comedy reasons, and I think that that's bad. And I think that this episode does not do that. It takes what it's it takes the plot that it sets up very seriously. Like it treats what Monk's going through seriously and what Marge is going through seriously, and it's not just done for a joke or for the plot. You know, it's do- the yeah. reason why he makes this relationship is not for plot reasons or comedy reasons. It's be- for the character development. And I think that any story where you start off asking what happens to the character is the best way to go, especially in television. I give it an yeah. A as well. So you can follow the show at Trophy Monk and Andre Wimpy will follow you. You can follow me at at. Andre Burr. Yeah. And you can follow me at DJ Christie. I have a question. How down bad are you right now? Because, you know, the Lakers just got Russell Westbrook and the Dodgers just got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. So I feel like you're pretty not down bad. Uh, I feel like you're referring to my tweets where I was like, yeah. I ba- it was like the worst day to like 
focus on work. Um, I was doing a lot of like entering mm-hmm. stuff on the system, but I it was all day just yeah. on Twitter You're just refreshing. Bad. You're done bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, it's all good. Please rate, subscribe, and more important than that, tune in next week as we talk about Mr. Monk makes the playoffs. And he can go all the way. Let's get monkey!